formal good morning. <laughs> I'm Holly Packingham, as you guys know, and for those listening on the podcast this morning, um, good morning to you. <laughs> um, but let's just start with prayer, and we'll dig into our fifth session. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that you are leading and guiding all of us to be spiritual parents, and we just pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you and just a sense of what you're doing in our lives and in the lives of our children, Lord. We just pray for wisdom and direction um, that you would continue to give us um, a kind and loving posture towards our children, Lord. In Jesus' name. Morning, guys. <laughs> just decided to get started. Hopefully we'll have, hopefully we'll have more people keep joining us. Um, So we're talking about the two environments that we're talking about today are the environment of responsibility and the environment of course correction. So basically discipline, but kind of the idea and the image of we're correcting their course. And so I think Michelle's using those words um, to kind of give us a visual of what that means. Hi, good morning. Thinking about the idea of responsibility, um, I think it can, when we hear that word, it can conjure up words in our minds um, that have to do with things we have to do. Sometimes that's, oh, I need to be responsible for this, or I need my kids to, you know, step it up and be responsible, rather than things that we get to do, or seeing, seeing our job and, and us becoming more responsible as adults and our kids becoming more responsible as something we get to do or a privilege. Um, but I think really, if we think about responsibility, it really just means that we're being held accountable for something, right? Like if we think about our jobs or if we think about, um, for me, my library card comes to mind. Like I have to be responsible <laughs> to take these books back or I'm going to get fined, which I often do every month. Um, but just being held accountable to whatever that we're saying yes to, right? Um, so if I'm not living in an environment where I'm held responsible for anything, it's easy for us. I mean, our nature is to become self-centered and to become selfish in what we're doing. And we can see that, obviously, in our children easily. Um, but I think if, as we're thinking about this, particularly with our kids, thinking about ways that we can help them become responsible is a huge part of our parenting. thinking about the scripture where Paul said to the church in Philippi, each of you should not look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is from Philippians 2.4. So we're, you know, as we're talking about, we're all, good morning, <laughs> we're all um, tempted to be selfish, and even in the process of raising kids, I think especially those of you who have really little ones, um, there's just so much, so much, um, there's so much of a demand for raising young children that I think it's sometimes hard to balance that what is what is self-care we need to take care of ourselves and I've been in places where I've been so depleted out of wanting to be responsible so kind of trying to find that balance can sometimes be tricky what does it look like to take care of ourselves as parents and to be able to have anything to to give and being responsible in that way versus um, going totally the other direction and saying you know I'm just going to do what I want to do and well the kids will figure it out or somebody else will take care of them Good morning, friends. <laughs> um, so in, I think it's also a neat thing to think about in God's kingdom that he, how much responsibility he's placing on us. And so rather than thinking of it as, as a weight, but as a privilege in that he's, we're his kingdom bearers on this earth, that he has called us to with given us each a calling, given us a unique personality and unique gifts, and that he's really entrusting his work to us. And that is responsibility, but what a gift and an amazing privilege and so exciting if we can choose to see it that way or if we can let his life breathe into that and think about, you know, as, as parents or whether that's your work life, all of it, that I think God really has, has an exciting plan and vision for that. And if we kind of like our identity in Christ, if we can walk in that, if we can also walk in, in the extension of that, that of course we are beloved children of Christ, but if we can walk in that extension of what that means because of our unique calling, our children's unique callings, then that, that's what breathes the life into the responsibility. So we're talking about the environments of responsibility and course correction today, for those of you who are just coming in. <laughs> Hello, 
in thinking about our kids in light of responsibility, I think one of the things that that I try to remember to do when we're going out, we've, we've kind of talked about this more as they've gotten older, but whether, like, as we're driving somewhere, if we're going to someone's house or we're going to a class or an activity or something, something that, that we aim to remember to pray with them is that um, the Lord would show show them what's their responsibility individually in this place, and um, depending on, you know, where they're at, they'll, they'll think differently or be willing to take this on more, but when they're younger, maybe all they can handle is, okay, how can I be responsible for myself to go into the family's house and look look the family in the eye or, you know, shake their hand and smile and say, please and thank you. We'll, we'll talk about how can we be loving and kind and grateful in someone's home. And as the kids have gotten older, um, it's we'll talk about things, you know, a teacher or classmates, you know, how can we, how can we have eyes to see who can we in some sense, be responsible for, not not fully, but to think, to let this responsibility extend outward to other kids and people. And I think in our American culture, we don't often think about it that way, do we? I think my child's standing at the door. Is everything okay? Okay. <laughs> they're like, they're doing worship practice. Anyway, this is going to be a fun podcast for everyone to listen to my extra commentary, but <laughs> um, so this idea of not just being responsible for ourselves, but thinking about, okay, ultimately I'm not responsible for other people, but in what ways has God given me eyes to see how I can be responsible in the sense of seeing them, of supporting them, of loving them. And so our kids are starting to get this a little bit more as we've gotten older, and so we'll talk about, you know, coming to church, you know, is there, have, have I, pray that the Lord will show you to have eyes to see who's new, or who's um, maybe looking uncomfortable, or does it, you know, is this just unfamiliar? Um, so, so a while ago, we were, we talk about this in the car a lot before they go in, and sometimes they'll come back and say, I met a new person. And so my youngest was at dance the other day <clears throat> in her class, and so she really, she's pretty extroverted, so she tries to befriend people often. And there was one little girl, and she, like, two times in a row, she asked her, do you want to be my friend? And she said, no. And so she went for it the third time. I don't know if I would, <laughs> if I would do it if I'd be done with it by now, but she, the third time she went in that week and asked her if she wanted to be her friend, she, you know, she's like, mom, she finally said yes, she finally said she wants to be my friend, so, you know, it can even look like that, of just pursuing relationship on a, when they're little, or um, another one of my girls would talk, one of, she not, would not be the one to come back and report to me what she had done, she would probably tend to be a little bit more internally processing this, but I met with her, she was in a class, and I met with her teacher just recently, and the teacher said, you know, this we had a new girl, and she went to her and tried to kind of help her adapt to the class because she was unfamiliar with the systems and the procedures, and um, so it was one of those things, like, probably I would never know any of these things, but I was grateful to have that bit of insight for the teacher, for me to go, okay, like, it's, it's nice sometimes, isn't it, when you're trying to plant these seeds, you're talking about these things, to catch those glimpses of like, okay, some they're practicing these things, they're trying, um, even when you don't see the full fruit of this in their lives yet. But it was just a little encouraging moment to me as a parent. Um, so we, yeah, it's just a continual prayer to continue to ask the Lord to be involved in this for each of them and keep encouraging them in it. So there's a variety of, of uh, areas in this. I think we've kind of talked about, you know, as an individual, and these really apply to us too, but for our children, you know, taking ownership for helping them to see themselves and the responsibility that they have to be responsible for themselves and for others wherever they are. And then for for the family, what does this look like in, so we've got an individual and our family and then really looking outward. Um, for, I think we're actually to the place now for our kids where they all can do something to help take responsibility in the home. <clears throat> Even my youngest, you know, it's like, okay, she's five. She can unload the silverware. Maybe somebody else needs to do a lot of the other dishes, but she can start to, to practice those habits of taking responsibility. And if your kids are, you know, have those selfish streaks in them like we all do and like mine do, you know, they're very, at their stage, they're very tempted to say, well, I didn't get that out or I, you know, that plate's not mine, or I didn't, I didn't put this here, or just this very much like this is about me. Like I don't want to have to think about every, every, everyone else in the family. And so, 
we continue to talk about what does it look like to love and care for each other in our family, that it's not just about what you brought out or what you put away, but that we're, we're all a family unit. We're all stepping in and being responsible for our home together. And, you know, you we can help each other pick something up even if we didn't get it out. And not that they shouldn't have that individual responsibility, but just also seeing us as how can we help be responsible for everyone as a whole? Like, you're, you know, we all do things to help and support each other. And I think if your kids are really little, you can do this on a small scale. I mean, they'll, you know, everybody can go down to, we have tend to get shoes everywhere in the front of the front door. And like, those aren't my shoes. Those are, you know, those are his shoes. Or those are, but someone could take the job of picking up everybody's shoes and doing something loving and caring and being responsible for the whole family. Um, and then I think the bigger picture, too, is how do we figure out how to be responsible for the community? And this is a tough one, I think, especially in our, our culture and something I struggle to with in all of this and the responsibility thing is what does it look like to have boundaries and what does it look like to be responsible for others and what is our role in that? And I think it's, there's no, there's no black and white answer. It's, you know, you have your family puzzle and you have the areas you're responsible for and God might give you a heart to reach certain people or to do certain things. Um, this was really hard for me, especially when my kids were little, because I really wanted to be able to reach out more as a family, but I felt, like, how do I go to do these outreaches when my kids are so little? And it's just enough for me to to, to help rein them in. And um, But we've done, we've tried. I, I'll say we've tried, and it has not always <laughs> gone well, but I've wanted to bring them with along with us and to do some of these, you know, to do reach out and when they were pretty little, we went to the Springs Rescue Mission to, um, I think what we were doing that day was going in the back and sorting out all the donations um, that, that were given, like shoes and clothes, and um, they were old enough to say, okay, I can pair, it was just like a huge pile of shoes, you know, and they were old enough to say, um, figure out how to pair the shoes together, you know, so it's sometimes it's hard to figure out what those settings can be, and it's there's so much going on, especially if your kids are little. But I would encourage you just to give this area to the Lord if you if you feel like I don't know how to, this is important, but I just don't know how to figure this out. Um, I trust that He'll show you or bring something along your path or maybe give you an idea of seeking something out. Um, but back to the boundaries idea, it's interesting because we've talked um, with Glenn's family a lot about this. Talked some people who've grown up in other cultures besides America, and what I find to be interesting is that. The, there just isn't so much of a concept of boundaries as, you know, for, for I think kids, I believe in them and we need them and we've got to figure out what that looks like for our family, but I, I think it's a hard line. I don't know if any of you feel that, but in this idea of taking responsibility for others or your extended family, like where is that line? Because I've got to take care of, you know, those in my family first, but um, sometimes it's easy to kind of, it can be easy to use the boundaries things like, well, I've just got to have my boundaries and so I don't have time to reach out to anyone else, or I just have to do what's best for my own family. and So it's just something we continue to wrestle through. It's, yeah, as I've said, it's not a black and white easy answer, but um, I think just what I see in our culture is sometimes it's easy to swing the other way of boundaries and to not push ourselves to think about what does it look like for me to take responsibility in parts of my community or our church community. But just something to keep thinking about. Okay, let's talk for a little bit. Um, let's talk about, I'm sorry, I did the question. I feel like, what was, the, what was that first question? So the first one is, what are some of the responsibilities God has entrusted to you? And why do you suppose we often don't see these responsibilities as privileges? If, if, that's, if you feel that, if you resonate with that. So what are some of the responsibilities God has entrusted to you? And why do you suppose that we don't always see them as, as privileges? Okay, we're going to bring it back in. Does anybody have anything? Does anybody have anything that anyone wants to share with the group? No pressure. Just thought I'd offer that. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're going to move to talking about, in light of responsibility, this, the principle of sowing and reaping, which I'm sure many of you have heard about. Um, and there's so many scriptures in the Bible that illustrate this, and so I think if we in our own lives can get a visual and 
kind of get this metaphor in our mind that applies to so much about um, responsibility. And I'm, I'm very grateful that in thinking about that, this has come alive for me because my dad's a farmer, as many of you know. And so I was able to see this play out. I think sometimes when we read all these scriptures about sowing and reaping and fields and growing and seeds spreading, withering away, it doesn't always, it's hard to understand it sometimes if, if we haven't seen it. Um, for us here in the city, maybe some of you have planted gardens. Any, any gardeners? Anybody? Nope, no gardeners. <laughs> house plants that you're trying to keep alive? House plant? Yeah, I know. I haven't done so well in the house. I've done better outside, but everything in my house seems to die. I guess I forget that things are growing in the house. So, um, <clears throat> but I'm grateful to have seen this process on the farm of really my dad doing it. I didn't really do it, but I watched him do it of planting and um, seeing, you know, what you plant is what comes up, right? If you plant a corn seed, you're going to get a corn stalk. If we plant beans, we're going to get beans. And so just even even talking with our kids about this, um, whether or not you actually have something to show them or you're reading about it in books, but the idea that what we plant is what, what we're going to get. Um, this is semi-related, but I keep thinking of that, the frog and toad story. I don't know if any of you read this to your kids about the garden, and he keeps, he keeps yelling at the plants to grow, and he's like, plants, plant seeds, grow, and he's waiting and watching, watching for them to grow, and of course, you know, the whole process is a natural process of sun and, and light and water has to come, but he thinks that his encouragement will help them, but she probably doesn't, but it's a cute story. Um, so the scripture, one of the scriptures we're going to talk about is Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sin from sinful nature from the nature that will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. Um, so, and we know this in a broader picture in life that just in, what, in our time, what we, in, you know, if we invest our time in a certain area, we're going to see fruit from that. If there's areas of our life that we think, oh, I really need to, to invest more in this, we, we may not see the fruit. And there's still no guarantee of fruit when it comes to things other than seeds, right? We can still invest in a lot of, and we may not always see the fruit, but we know that as we take steps um, with the Lord's guidance to invest in certain areas, that, that there's a good chance that as the Lord is working and we're putting forth effort, that we are gonna we are gonna see fruit from that. Um, so as we think about this uh, with our kids, how can we create opportunities for this? Maybe first in our home, especially if your kids are really little. That's probably where you are a lot of the time. Um, this to really instill this sense of responsibility in them. So we're not, you know, we're not wanting to raise kids who so much of our culture is this having this entitled mentality of everyone, you know, an adult needs to do everything for me. But on the other hand, we're trying to strike this balance of giving them responsibility at an age-appropriate time. So what does this look like? You know, it might mean um, a two-year-old can, they may not, you might not be able to say to them, you need to go clean up your room and expect that they know where to put everything and can do it. I, I wish that were the case. <laughs> but um, it's often us coming alongside. So rather than saying, I'm just going to do it for you because it's just easier, which is temp has been very tempting for me to do. Like, I, I know how I want it. It's faster. But sort of trying to involve even little ones in the process of, you know, they can pick up a shirt and I can put it on the hanger for them. Or they can shove stuffed animals in and maybe they can't get them all in the bin. But, but the slow process of teaching them and walking with them so that they're gradually, step-by-step, step, learning responsibility. Um, and then, like, things like, I would say, I'm trying to think how old they were. There came a point when I thought, I am doing laundry for six people. This is crazy. I have girls getting older. They, you know, I, I want them to learn how to do laundry. They can, so anyway, it was a process of, you know, teaching them and them spraying stain remover and getting it, every, just the stuff that you're like, oh, I just would rather skip this stuff, the hard, annoying work of teaching when they're going to mess up. and um, But gradually, by gradually, even though you kind of work through the messiness of it, they got to the point where now I can say, go do your laundry, and they just do it, and it's done, and I'm, you know, hands off. And um, 
Any, can you guys think of anything else? Like, what, give, throw out something that you're like, oh, I'm really struggling with this with my child. Or, or do anybody have an example of, like, this is something I've done to walk with them to learn responsibility? Yeah, Karen. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point, too, I think, with older kids is, as you're seeing them get older and you think, how many years do I have left? What do I want to train them to be able to do? They're going to need to do these things on their own. Um, I'm, I mean, my oldest is, she's almost, she's on her way to being 13. And so I'm realizing, oh, this is crazy. The years are getting fewer when she's home. And so thinking about, almost thinking backwards now, like what are all the things that we want to have taught her to be responsible in, talked with her about, and I'm, I'm sure we'll never get it all done, but the idea of being intentional with, in their stages and ages of what do we want to teach them now. Because my goal is, like what you said, Karen, to walk, as they get older, to walk with them um, in the hopes that then, you know, you'll be walking alongside of them, watching them try to work and develop different parts of their lives. Be responsible and for the day when your hands are off and they're going out and doing it themselves. My hope is that teaching them, walking with them, and staying by their side, but, but yet loosening the reins that by the time they leave that, will feel confident that they can go out and make these decisions and do these things on their own. So let's just talk for a few minutes. We're thinking, getting practical here. So what are some, maybe your brain is turning like, okay, what am I doing? What could I do um, to help my kids in this area? So let's just talk for a few minutes about what are ways for where your kids are at that you can help them to be respons learning responsibility at the stages that they're at. Okay, we're gonna keep moving on. I hope all of you have been able to brainstorm some share ideas that you've been doing, or maybe you came up, had a brainwave and came up with something brand new that you wanna try this week. <laughs> um, I think there can be a spectrum with this whole idea of responsibility to where you know we say oh, we're, we're doing nothing for them, they maybe in some families, it's easy to expect them to become independent quickly. Or on the other hand, um, yeah, so one extreme of just kind of asking so much of them and maybe not recognizing where their developmental stages and what they're capable of. So thinking through that, I think that's such a big piece of all of what we've been talking about is what can we really expect? What's reasonable to expect from a child this age is so important. Yeah, Sarah. That's a really good idea, but um, not. I guess I'll just do it somewhat unrelated. That's a really good idea. Do you want to want to write that up? For us? <laughs> that would be really helpful. <laughs> Did you just volunteer yourself or something? <laughs> I think what I've tried to do is just read about development and try to understand the brain as much as I can, and to think about. I think what I've seen is, I've. People tend to err on the side of, or even just in behavior, like they're just being manipulative or they're just being, and it, it's just like really, I don't know if at their stage from what I read, read about the stage, do they really have the capability of doing that? And I'm not saying that can't ever be possible, but kind of giving them the benefit of doubt as a foolish child, you know, that's a little bit different when you're than what you're talking about, but since we're talking about the child's developmental stage, I've recommended this book before, but this has been really, really helpful to me and kind of bringing a biblical and theological perspective, but then adding um, a psychologist's brain perspective. So there's a lot. So it's The Whole Brain Child by Daniel Siegel, and he's written some other things about children's development and the brain. But it's been really helpful for Glenn and I to understand, okay, you know, we see what we're seeing, we're trying to discern, but really at this stage, what is actually developmentally going on in their brain? And when are they shutting down? And when are they able to engage in conversation? And, and then just on a practical note, this has been really helpful in coming up with creative ways to deal with particular situations. Um, I think sometimes I think 
I know I don't want to do this, but then what do I do in this situation? And so it just walks you really practical through conversations with little ones and older ones. Um, so even if it's not that particular situation you're dealing with, you could say, okay, this is kind of like this other situation I am. And it just gave me a lot of language to try to help to talk through things specifically. So I would recommend this. Um, I think something else that I, it's been encouraging to me but in, is to think about the fact that, well, it's not really encouraging, I guess, but it, the, the, the fact that I need to keep repeating these things. Sometimes we think, I've told you this so many, you know, I've had to keep saying, will you please do this? Or, you know, and it gets wearing, doesn't it, as a parent? Like, I've said this to you 20 times. And, um, or we keep talking about this, and even if there is a consequence, if for some kids, they, you know, it's like, well, I really want to do this, or I forgot about that you said that, or we've had this issue with water in our, I don't know, my kids are just infatuated with water and playing with it and carrying it everywhere, even as they've gotten older. I'm like, I come up to our loft and they're dumping liquid. I'm like, guys, the water, like, keep the water. Like, you can do that. Just do it in the bathtub. Do it outside. And so, you know, as they're getting older, really trying to talk through, like, why? So I think as I've gotten older, I have more conversations, like, why do I not want you to do this? Am I just trying to be a mean parent because I don't like this? You know, what's the reason for this? And so it, as they get older, they're able to connect the dots of, okay, this can ruin, literally has ruined furniture, or I'm not just saying this for no reason. Um, but I think in extending mercy to our children, I've had to remind myself, Holly, it's, they're kids. They're, there's this foolishness part. We're going to have to keep reminding them to do these same things over and over. Then I also think, like, well, how is that so much unlike us as adults? Like, aren't there so many areas of our life that we don't do it right the first time or we have to keep working on it and trying again and um, trusting that the Lord is extending that same grace to us as, as we hope to do to our kids? Um, I think it's it can also be overwhelming as a parent sometimes to think about all the areas that we hope to help them to be responsible in, right? I mean, when they're little, even just brushing, getting everybody to brush their teeth and all the, <laughs> the nightly bedtime things, you know, the eating habits, all these practical things as well as what we've been talking about so much already, the cultivation of um, spiritual practices in our home and how we're hoping to have routine from that. And so I think it can be easy to get overwhelmed, like, I'm failing. There's, there's 20 areas that as parents we're, we're supposed to be, you know, instilling responsibility or um, shedding spiritual light on all these areas. And so this is where I keep, what we keep coming back to in this whole talk is that it really, really this is such a prayerful thing. And I know I keep saying that, but, <laughs> but it really is that the Lord has to show us for our own family, for where our, how many kids we have, where they're all at, just as a family, what has he called us to in this season and maybe – for those of you with really little ones, you are spending your so much of your time on just setting at the, sitting at the table isn't amazing conversations. It's manners. It's, okay, everybody, let's sit on your bottoms. Okay, let's not have our, let's not stand on the table or let's, you know, say please and thank you. And, and it's hard work as parents and we have to keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, but I really trust that as you keep putting your energy toward it, as you keep planting those seeds, that you will eventually, over years, you'll, you'll start to see the fruit of all of that. And I think also, as parents, our, our own state of how much we're able to, to take care of ourselves really plays into this as well, doesn't it? That if we're exhausted or if we're tired, which is the same thing, um, <laughs> if we're just distracted, I think for me sometimes I'll, I'll you know, have all these other things I'm thinking about and then coming back to, okay, I'm with my kids right now. I want to be present to my kids. This is what I'm doing now. I can think about that or do that later, but with the crunch of time, um, it's difficult. And sometimes I feel like I have all these belts. I want to hold all these things up, and I want to do all these things so well, but we can only do so many things really well, and other things have to give. And so I would just encourage you to, to think through that if you're in this struggle of, like, feeling overwhelmed that I'm doing too many things or I just can't. And then it just causes us to feel we're like we're failing. If we try to do too many things, then this, all of it is, feels like failure. Um, so I would just encourage you to, to really bring this to the Lord and ask him what is it that's most important right now for our family. Um, practically, Michelle goes, I don't know if 
for those of you who read the chapter, she goes into some real specific things that I want to get to our next environment, but about, um, if you want to read more about it, she goes into a whole section about tithing and money and responsibility. And um, this is like all, like all these practical things, it's been a process, but I'll just share with you just a tiny bit about what we're doing right now as, as an idea, just depending on where you're at. But we've just decided to give them a certain amount of money as an allowance. Our chores and family responsibilities is separate. This is just what we all do together to serve and love the family. But our goal in giving them allowance is to help them to manage money. And I think, you know, depending on your child, you could decide what, what um, is the right age to start that. But if we don't give them, it's not that much. But we're trying to teach them, okay, about the idea of tithing or giving generously to the Lord and about saving and about spending. And so we talked to her, just tried to teach them about what that means and then gave it to them to decide what those percentages would be. And they were fairly different with our two older girls. And but, um, we're con- you know, continuing to talk with them through that. And one of, you know, just depending on their personalities and, and how they are, they, they're doing this a little differently. So but we're giving them that freedom, but coming alongside of them to help them. Um, we've, we've asked them to put it in these categories, but they can decide exactly how they want to, to separate that. Um, but there's, there's more about it in the book if you're in this phase of, like, I really want to figure this out. I need more ideas. Um, Okay, we're going to move on to the next um, environment. We need to scoot out of here closer to 1030 <laughs> today because they're having a meeting in here at 1045. So I'm going to try to keep us on task. Um, so the next environment is course correction, which is really discipline. But I, I, I like how Michelle uses these words because she's trying to paint this picture for us of, you know, helping our children to be on, a, on the path to, to to the Lord, a trajectory, a posture toward the Lord, and that we as parents are coming alongside, you know, uh, creating space and environments and uh, opportunities with them as parents to help them to get on the path of continuing um, to posture ourselves towards the Lord. So I know this can, this there's probably like so much we could talk about here, and um, I'm taking some of Michelle's material and then bringing in uh, some of my own from different things I've learned and different experiences that we've had and tried. Um, so we're looking to help them get on the right path, um, not to bring punishment to them. I think punishment often, it can be, she talks about as being wrath of God, God-ish, and it oftentimes can involve shame and blame, guilt. Um, I think the main problem with it is that we can punish them in a way that will you know, stop a behavior and get them to line up. And we could have a family where everyone's doing exactly what we want them to do and they're behaving right. But if that's the only reason why they're responding to it, then ultimately that won't lead to the fruit that we want. That ultimately doesn't lead them to a desire. Hi. That's okay? Okay, child needs to be picked up 5M4. That's okay, no worries. <laughs> Nobody? Pretty sure it's in here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, our kids may try harder and hard, may figure out, okay, this is the kind of punishment I get. I don't like, I don't want to receive that, so I'm going to try my very hardest not to do it. Maybe they'll get to the point where that's the case, and they can figure out how to control their behavior and won't do it again. And so they may try harder and harder and harder, but what does this look like when they become teenagers or adults that they're trying to just personally manage their sin? Um, so you've read Dallas Willard. He talks about this. In The Divine Conspiracy, he calls it sin management, that at what point does that break down, that we try to control control our own sin and then eventually we just can't do it because there's no other reason beyond just following rules or pleasing people, but eventually I think it'll break down. Um, and really, to the person remains, are, they remain unchanged. Their, their heart isn't changing, and I think that's really what God wants from all of us and wants from our kids is that we have, that whatever we're doing, we're hoping they have a change of heart, that we're 
um, repenting, that we're coming, we're asking the Lord to come into this area of our life, and we're wanting to, to get on a different path or get back on the path that we originally wanted to be on. Um, we want our kids to find healing. We want their hearts to be restored in this process. Um, so one of the main scripture that Michelle talks about in, in this uh, in this chapter, she's, she phrases it as, so we're wanting spiritual formation versus behavior modification. We're not just trying to create kids that do everything we want them to do, but we really want their hearts to be formed by the Lord. So she references Hebrews 12. It says, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines, the child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. This is a message, as you can tell. <laughs> He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training, the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling, spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So don't sit around on your hands. Don't drag your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. So as, we, as we're talking about, the goal is spiritual formation. And we could use different words. We could use the word discipleship. And we could really talk so much about what is fully, what does that really look like? But I think the goal is, is that we want our kids to choose Jesus. We want them to choose the good. Um, we want them to, that those choices eventually to come from their own desires. And so how do we cultivate that? That does seem like a, a challenging task, doesn't it, to get... What do we do to help mold, to help present things before them and that they will choose what is right, what is good, what is true? Um, and so I'm sure you know, and you're, you're probably wrestling through this yourself, especially if you have little kids, like how do, we, how do we actually go about this? We know we need to discipline, and what does that look like? We, we need to train them. You've got, you know, real permissiveness on one side of um, letting kids go. <laughs> I was listening to the radio on the way here, my girls knew I was going to talk about this, and they're on the radio going, I was sitting on the airplane the other day, and this 11-year-old child is just screaming on the airplane, and the radio person was saying, now that parent really should have nipped this in the bud, you know, when their child was, was younger, and just like a seemingly a very permissive, like, and, and so the response, someone asked, like, are you going to kind of do anything about this? And the parent said, well, they're kids. What are you supposed to do? So, so we're not advocating this permissive, like, well, child-centered, um, they do what they do, oh well, like eventually they'll figure it out, I guess, but nor are we wanting to be like wrath of God parents where every little thing we're, you know, pounding them on the head. You know, if you've probably been in grocery stores and hear parents yelling and screaming, you know, if you do that one more time, you're really going to regret it. You're going to get it when you get home or, you know, I'm going to spank you so hard when you get home, you're never going to do that again or what, you know, oh, sometimes I guess my heart just like, stories like oh I feel anyway I, I don't know it really gets to my heart sometimes my girls are looking at me like ah, like what's happening um, so when we think about discipleship I think it's really it's mainly about yeah showing them the good helping them to to desire a relationship with Christ like that is what is really going to lead them through the rest of their life the Holy Spirit is what's going to show them the way as much as we teach the Holy Spirit is their guide, their counselor, their teacher. And as much as we can present these situations before them and talk with them about it. And discipleship involves a lot of time, doesn't it? And that all looks different for all of us, but it involves being with them, talking with them, um, comforting them, giving them a consequence if that's necessary. And we'll be, like we've talked about before, I love it when it is a natural consequence and I don't have to figure out how to help them learn something, but that they receive, you know, you warned them, and they did it anyway, and, well, this is what happens, and we see that that in our own lives sometimes, don't we? Um, let's see. 
I think my encouragement would be that we, I think we can be really creative with this. We can try to figure out, um, are there other means besides spanking to, to get across what we want to, to, to help them to get to a place where they see where they're going wrong and they see um, that they want to repent or apologize, that they see that they want to go in a different direction. Um, I'm sure all of you are, are in different places as far as what, what you think about this. Um, I really, if, if you're trying to kind of figure out where am I, do I want to spank, do I not want to spank, I am spanking, do I want to continue? Um, this book was really helpful for us. It's called Heartfelt Discipline by Clay Clarkson. And he, it's the only book I know of with someone kind of doing an exegesis on all the passages that Christians have thrown out over years about spanking, about the rod. What does that mean? Um, and this was, and when Glenn and I had little kids, we were really trying to figure out how to have it. And it's so hard when sometimes they can feel so out of control. And what do you do? And so I'll just read, I'm just going to, rather than paraphrasing it, I'm just going to read you a few paragraphs. And this might help you know, is this something that would be fitting for me right now and figuring this out in my parenting journey? Um, so some of the scriptures that people will refer to and trying to figure out what they think about spanking is um, Proverbs. It refers to the rod. So, so a question that some people ask is, can I claim proverbial statements as promises of God? Wisdom literature should not be read as a collection of divine promises. The wise man of Proverbs is not instructed to claim them, but rather he is described as one who listens to them, learns from them, applies them, and increases in godly discernment and wisdom. You would not be wise to claim a proverb as an unassailable promise of God. You would only be wise to apply it to your life as good counsel for how to live a life pleasing to God. Does God command physical discipline of young children? Simply put, young children are not in view in these passages. There's no divine mandate to spank or use a rod on children. We'll see in these following chapters that the Old Testament nor the New Testament addresses the physical discipline of young children. That does not make scriptures anti-spanking, but simply recognizes that God's word does not speak to the subject. And in the same way, a parent is not anti-spanking to recognize this reality. Some advocates of the rod will refer to Proverbs 20.30 to justify their belief in physical discipline. Stripes that would scour away evil and strokes reach the innermost parts. It is suggested that the rod addresses the evil or rebellion in the child's heart, that the bruising stripes will rescue his soul from Sheol, and that spankings that leave marks are the most effective kind. Strokes of the implied rod that wound or bruise are the ones that actually reach the child's heart. This view is simply indefensible. There's no context or exegesis by which this passage can be applied to the discipline of young children with a rod. Striking with a paddle a rod leaves bruises or marks is abusive. Using this passage to defend such abuse is a distortion of God's word. And then he goes on to describe it more. But um, I'm sure we're all, like I said, in different places with this. It's pretty strong, but it's something we really had to, to wrestle through. Glenn and I had totally different backgrounds in this. Um, I was never laid, no one ever laid a hand on me. I had very little discipline, more a little on the permissive. And in Glenn's culture, they caned children. Um, he went to school, he did something wrong, he was caned. So <laughs> we had definitely some conversations about this. And But what I find interesting um, uh, in talking with, I mean, that's so severe, right? But um, is this, what, what was created, what I think is, is most difficult is the, the power differential that's created when physical um, consequences are used. And that's my main concern is that what happens to the, with the relationship is so central to this actually being effective. What happens to the relationship? And I'm not saying in all cases that it, that it breaks it or that, but I think our goal is not to break down the will, is not to break their spirits, but to not take them away from us in relationship. But our relationship is what's going to be such a vital part of leading them to God, that as they see how we deal with them and in relationships, then that gives them a picture of how, you know, how, how they can come to the Lord. How are we as father and mother to them will be so representative of, of how they can come, how they see God in their life. Um, so I'm, I'm not advocating that we don't need any consequences, although I think a lot of times it's difficult to choose the right ones that will actually, that will actually be effective. Um, and... Yeah, for little kids, I, that's, I really wish I would have had this book when my kids were really little because I was just kind of trying to figure it out. And um, there's so many great specific 
things in this. Um, practically something else that um, I, I was in a preschool setting with um, some leaders, that, and they actually came to speak at Sunday school last year, the Crutchman, some of you might have been here. But Jim and Mary are really good at kind of coming up with practical things. But one of the things that I'll never forget that they did, um, just as far as connecting with our kids and talking with them, was Jim would talk about how, like, as a parent, and maybe especially some of you dads, you know, it's what does it feel like to a child when we're over, like, how big we are to them. I had never thought about this before, but how big we are as parents to little, you know, physically we're over them, our face, our eyes, our you know, like, what, what is that like to a tiny child coming over them? But um, I'll never forget his illustration of, of, like, what is it like when we bend down, when we, when we look in their eyes, and what does that say to them, and what does that do to their hearts when they were looking them straight in the eye, were saying, you know, go this way, don't go this way. It's so, it's, I'm, I don't want you to hear I'm saying, we don't train our kids, we, I'm not talking permissiveness, but I'm also not talking beating them over the head into submission. Um, so what are, what, are creative, what are some creative ways that we can do this? And that so much helped me, I think, to, to it helped my kids' demeanor. I think I've noticed different things I've tried or different things we've done. You can see in their, res- you can see in their body language and their eyes how they're responding. And, and that's an indication of, is this actually doing what I want it to do? Are they relaxed and able to even receive anything that we're talking about? Um, and from our personal family experience, even with my little ones, the conversations I feel have actually been, it seems like you're doing nothing, but the conversations I feel like have actually been most effective. Um, with my little one, she, she it's interesting how with my, we didn't have a lot of technology in our home with our older kids, but now with my younger one, com- she's just around a little bit more. It's been a little bit harder, and she'll see my phone and want to grab it or see an iPad that I'm think I have hidden away that she gets to, and I can say, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, let's stop doing that. Like, the constant repetitive correction, and you think, okay, is this really doing any good <laughs> anyway? Um, but the other day, I just sat down with her at five, and we had a conversation about understanding, you know, that the brain research I've read, this, you know, it's not really good for young children's brains to have a lot of screens, and just trying to explain to her, I'm trying to protect your brain. I'm trying to protect your spirit from this being taking over our home and being too much and we have to set boundaries and and we got done with this whole thing and she's like okay and she didn't ask me for it for a couple days or three you know just like that was much more effective than me just thinking I'm getting control and saying no and no and okay and just actually giving them the benefit of the doubt that they can understand more than we think they can sometimes um Uh, another example I can think of is um, I, re- I can remember being with the family when our kids were really young and uh, having, I think it was about a 12 or 18-month-old child's friend came over and um, was crawling, probably tw- I think they were still craw- a crawling child, crawling over to a vase and the mom just coming over and just whacking them, you know. Well, yeah, I, that'll work. But I think, is there a be- is there a better idea? Can we be more creative in, in than just whacking them because they're not doing what, and they're so small, and do they they don't understand? And so, can we re- can we pick up that child and say, no, we're not going to do this, but we're going to do this? I think they're learning. They're actually learning what to do rather than like, just don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But you're showing them the path, like you're showing them the right way to go. What they, sh- what they, what's another possibility? Um. But I mean, for Glenn and I, this has been a process. Um, we started out kind of thinking, I don't know what else to do besides think, and then moving towards, Lord, will you show us what what else we can do? How do we teach them? How do we? train them to go in in the ways of you and help us to be creative we we're not we don't want to harm them but how do we teach them how do we help them to think about what they're doing and make good choices Um, and michelle talks about in here consequences needing to create pain and what i think she's talking about it doesn't have to be physical pain i think there are a lot of things that are painful to children that are something that causes them to just stop and think and not to just go on their way and think it's fine i i was reflecting and thinking about this about um 
I think one of my older girls was, had said something rude and disrespectful to Glenn and I prior to going to a restaurant, and we had said, you know, everybody's going to get milkshakes, and we said, okay, I, we want you to step back and think about, like, it's, it's not okay for you to talk to me like that, and I want you to think about what you said, and how does that, how does that make us feel? Do you, you know, are you being honoring by saying that to us? And so, um, we said, okay, we want you to take some time, and we're going to take the milkshakes home. We want you to take some time to think about this, and so you're not, everyone else can have it now, but you're going to wait. You're not going to have it now, and I mean, when I think about it as an adult, I'm like, that really doesn't seem that big of a deal, but that was incredibly painful to her. She was, like, crying, and how, you know, this is the big deal, so I think sometimes when we think about this idea of pain, it can, what is actually painful to that child, and not physical pain, but just what, what will help them to step back to attempt to think about what's going on here, and something that causes them to stop and reflect and think about how what, how, what can I do to make a different choice in the future. And as I've, I've been talking about for weeks, with, I've shared a lot of stories kind of around the subject of discipline and how to navigate this with our kids, but um, I also think there's an element of them not always getting what they deserve, and that's really mercy. That We can't do that all the time, or, there, or there, there's no training in that, but I think there are moments, and this is a discernment process again, um, is it, you know, a moment where a child thinks, oh, no, I'm in trouble. I've done something terrible. What if we took them off and just and gave them a milkshake and talked to them? And it's a moment where they realize, wow, like, I, I know that probably there was, you know, I, I thought maybe I might get a consequence. But actually, I was extended mercy. Like, they're going to remember that, too. They're going to remember those times where where they didn't get exactly what they deserved. And isn't it like that for us as adults when we think, oh, I really messed up, and, and then we think, oh, I, 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 I didn't get what I deserved, and I'm, I, there's some learning to be done with that. Um, that's not something I had ever really thought of until I listened to one of my mentors, Sally Clarkson, talk a lot about this, how just sort of another way is to, to woo them, <laughs> to woo them with um, wonderful things to open up, and I think especially if it's something where, where you think there's something much, much deeper going on here, um, that I really want to get to the bottom of it, and sometimes wooing them with food and hot chocolate will bring that out, and that's the very best, the thing that you really want to know is what's really deep in their heart that's causing this, because that's that's the issue that we, we, we want them to see us as the first people that we can go to, the people who are going to love us and support us to get through something. And I think if we do things to cut that relationship off, um, then ultimately, ultimately we won't be able to get to their hearts. We won't be able to reach their hearts. So what can we do as parents to continue to build that relationship and reach their hearts? Um, okay. okay, let's talk about this. There's a lot here, and we can do some questions after this. We have a little. We have a little bit more time. Um, I think the question is. I'm trying to think of a different question. Um, maybe just share. Just share where you're at in this journey. Um, yeah, let's just share where you're at. If it's this is what I'm. I'm trying to discern for our own family. How how do we raise disciples of Christ? Maybe you can share what, what you are doing that you feel like this is really working or share a struggle. Like, I don't, maybe you want feedback and just ask your group if you want it. You don't have to ask for it, but maybe you want feedback. Like, I'm really stuck here and um, this is where I know I want to get, but I don't know how.